Hey, welcome to the Morning Show Podcast. This is Pastor Rob and Pastor Dave dropping some knowledge, dropping some cultural criticisms, and all things related to coffee. What is the Morning Show? Well, it's about helping the church navigate cultural and theological topics from a biblical perspective, featuring weekly special guests and the pastors of First Baptist Eve. Make sure you follow us and like us on Facebook and the Twitter page. Let's start the show. Show. Yeah, good morning to the morning show. Sorry, I am thrown off here. Uh, I am Pastor Rob, but Pastor Dave has had a complete makeover. Look at this lovely gentleman to my left. It's the uh, younger, newer model. Ooh, the younger, newer model. So what are the upgrades we have with the newer model? I think the hips work a little bit better. The, the hip joints aren't as... Does that make you a hipster? No. Sorry, dad joke. <laughs> Thank you. Reagan's giving me the thumbs up for the dad joke. What, what are the other upgrades? Uh, maybe... Are you happier? Uh, yes, very happy. I've, I've never lived in Pennsylvania. We are so getting fired for this one. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Pastor Dave, uh, he is out of town. He is doing some educational um, enrichment. Ooh, there we go, double E's. Yeah, he's, he's working on his demon. He is working, uh, his demon? Yeah, yeah. His inner demon or his outer demon? I don't know which. <laughs> Reagan's just shaking his head over here. Uh, so, yeah, on the morning show, we have uh, Zach Nelson, uh, church planning guru. Can I say guru? I always get in trouble. I feel like guru is, like, not an appropriate term to use well, within theology. It's, it's not the 60s anymore, so. So so you would appropriate this back to the 60s, not to, like, Eastern Hinduism. Well, that's when America kind of first learned about all that Eastern stuff. Thank you, Beatles. Are, are you throwing shade on the Beatles? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying that, you know... Because you're the music guy. Like, Beatles are... The Beatles are, are wonderful. They're w wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Ha, uh, his email is brian at fbchr. You can put all the hate mail that way. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Beatles, sir? Well, this is your defining line for your Christianity, by the sure, way. Sure, sure. I mean, I, would, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't approve of their, you know, view of theology. And, and I well, think... Sure. They said they're bigger than... God, so yeah, yeah, and you know, and their wall linens, imagine, and you know, oh, which is very Marxist, yeah, which yeah. is funny. We get to sing that all the time, yeah. Um, but I mean, creative, all get out, and I'd, I'd even say that we would not have contemporary worship music if it weren't for the Beatles. You've officially offended both sides of the people. That's that's impressive with this span of 30 seconds. I don't know if y'all are going to have me back on the show next week. <laughs> is, is that what it is? You're like, I don't want to come back. Like, let yeah, me figure exactly, out how to train exactly. Rick as quickly as possible. Just like, so in, in the mornings, I'll, uh, I'm usually the one that makes coffee. And it's, we just have a drip coffee. Okay. And occasionally I'll ask I'm my I'm so wife, sorry. I, I need to help you upgrade. No, it's fine. I, I, okay. I like it. It's simple. And right. occasionally I'll ask my wife to make it. Right. And each time she does it, horribly and it's, it's drip coffee how do you mess it up and so i i just i can't believe you're gonna throw your wife under the bus well, on air well, no no she does it on purpose because last time last time it happened i was like okay i'm done you have i'm revoking your right to make coffee wow and she was very you're happy. taking that ephesians 6 thing really important here she was very happy We're... that that she was no longer going to make the coffee in the morning wow See, I tried this once before, like, but I, unfortunately, I did it in the opposite direction, like, because, like, I remember when I was first married, Marcy was like, I was like, what can I do to help in the house, whatever, and she's like, oh, can you clean the bathroom? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem, and so I go in there, and I've got, like, all the tools, and the gadgets, and the cleaning stuff, and, like, two and a half hours later, I'm still in this, like, really tiny bathroom cleaning everything out, she's like, 
you could do this all the time. And that's when I went, ah. I did this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly Maria was, was playing on, on that. Yeah, strategy. yeah. And that's, you know, me with this does intro. She, does she like coffee? Yeah, she likes coffee. So why would she ruin coffee? Well, she just went really brew it strong. Oh. I tell her that one scoop is, is a rounded scoop. Right. It's got to have just as much on top of it as actually in the scoop. <laughs> That's, that's not me. I'm not making this up. That's that's the official rule of coffee. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. And she yeah. would she would always just shake it off so that there's, oh, because no she's precise. Here. Like she wants the precision. I don't, know. I don't know. But then the coffee would end up being weak, and nobody likes weak coffee. No, that is true. Weak coffee is bad. Uh, so <laughs> if you're still watching in our conversation about coffee and all things marriage related, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for paying attention to who we are. We, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter uh, and all the other many things. Uh, Reagan, what else did I say? Um, I'm missing something. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and on YouTube. And as well, if for some reason you think our faces are not worth getting up in the morning and watching, but you need more coffee. Uh, you can also listen to the podcast that we update on all sorts of different places. So wherever you get your podcast on uh, podcast app, if you do it on the cloud, you can do it Spotify. I recommend Spotify because there's some other wonderful podcasts, including Dr. Moeller's uh, The Briefing, which, you know, just a great way to start your morning. Any podcast that you recommend uh, well, in addition to The Morning Show? Yeah, I'd be remiss not to mention the uh, NOBTS. Is it podcast. remiss or amiss? Remiss. Okay, thanks. Um, the towel in the basin. Oh yes, Doctor Dew. Mm -hmm. Very good, very good. We uh, Doctor Dew is a friend of the show, an actual friend of the show. Yes, uh, Town in the Basin, excellent podcast. You can find that as well. And any other podcast you recommend? No, I'm not much of a podcaster myself. And yet you're doing one right now. I know. I. I don't know how I feel about this personally. It's a new thing. You're good with it. You're doing good, sir. Uh, so we have an interview this morning with Zach Nelson. He is the executive director of the Pillar Network. Uh, we interviewed him, and uh, please enjoy the interview. Well, live through the interwebs, we have a Mr. Zach Nelson here from the Pillar Network to talk to us about church planning today. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Spent all morning shoveling snow here in Ohio, um, which actually might not be relevant because this is oh. recorded. Oh, yeah. Well, that's okay. It'll probably snow then, too. So. No, we can't ask you uh, how many cups of coffee have you had yet? Man, I've been getting up really early, so I had one cup this morning, and I'm on my second, but I tend to go towards tea as the day moves on. Why do you hate your body? <laughs> <sighs> you know, it's just something that I've really uh, asked ask myself many questions in my life but i just kind of i'm committed at this point and once you're committed you just stay with it <laughs> well i'm glad you are finishing what you started i am a fellow tea drinker so i will i'm i'm cultivating a taste for tea yeah now, i like coffee better I, i'm not gonna lie to you I like the taste of coffee coffee i've developed that uh, but uh but tea you know it's it's a close second and once you go overseas to europe they uh, that's what they do and their coffee's horrible and so it's just one of those things that you've got to kind of uh, adapt I, I've been sorely disappointed as a coffee lover and connoisseur when I travel to international countries that make coffee like they grow it and find out all they drink is Nescafe it is the most annoying thing in the world yeah so the pain <laughs> so obviously um, 
you are heading up the Pillar Network, which is a church planting network. Um, so why is it important for a church planner or churches as a whole to be a part of a network? Uh, why is there value in that? Yeah, Dave, um, first, I think let's really try to define what is network, um, because I think there's probably uh, churches network around a number of different things, correct? And so um, they may network around uh, serving a church that's struggling in some form or fashion. They may network around some sort of an equipping model or um, uh, and so there's different ways that churches associate or cooperate together or network. And so in many ways, what we want to do with the pillar network is draw um, a healthy correlation uh, between what a network is and what um, historically an association was created to be uh, as a part of um, our larger uh, network of churches cooperating uh, in, in what we call the Southern Baptist um, Convention. Um, so really, uh, what we say a network is, is a group of churches that are doctrinally aligned. Um, and because we're doctrinally aligned, we can actually do mission together. And when we talk about mission, we're really trying to say, man, we believe that the church is something that's healthy, and we're defining what health is. Uh, and then we're trying to replicate that as a group of churches together. And so I would say that's what we kind of would define is a network within the pillar network. Um, it's based on an associational cooperative type model. And I would say any church plant um, that has a group of churches cooperating together in a like-minded unified fashion to help them get started is an incredible benefit to them. So that does not mean that a church cannot uh, plant without a network. I think we've seen that before and um, and probably, probably have met church planters that have um, planted in more of an isolated fashion, but to be able to do that with a group of like-minded churches in a unified fashion, walking alongside them, partnering together to help that church move towards health uh, is just an extremely wise way um, to partner. Right. You can be the lone ranger and go out and do something, but it's much greater if you have a whole army with you to support you and encourage you. Yeah, I think, I think we see that uh, throughout scripture. Uh, you see it kind of modeled throughout Acts. I think uh, really you see the, uh, the church in Jerusalem, you see uh, the church in Antioch, they had a relationship with one another. Uh, even as Paul is writing his letters, he's connecting churches with churches to meet other needs. Um, so we don't just come to this saying, man, this is, you know, seems wise in man's wisdom. I think we've got um, really a theological implication to say churches should partner with churches um, for the sake of um, of seeing them grow towards health. Um, and even at times you see throughout scripture where small churches combining their efforts to give resources to other churches that are, are struggling or, or being persecuted or are unhealthy. So that's kind of the associational kind of networking, why we believe it's important. And I think those networks are one aspect of why it's so important is because when you're by yourself, the temptation to quit mm -hmm. is so much greater. Um, and just the discouragement and the difficult days. But when you've got people there encouraging you, people working with you, people helping carry that burden and load, um, it, it's much, much easier to move forward. So um, yes, the, you know, there's a lot of things that happen under quote unquote ministry or churches. I mean, there's like, biker, there's a lot of air quotes. Yeah. I'm just using the air quotes. Um, you know, there's like biker ministries. There's like, you know, you can, any, you could think of a ministry, right? It exists juggling ministry. I mean, there's all kinds of things. So Ooh. is church planting essential to 
um, biblical mission and to the New Testament, or is it just another one of those sort of ministries that we could be doing? Yeah, um, that's a great question, um, because obviously we can point to Scripture and say, do we see the word church planting there? Um, and so we're coming up with this term somewhere. Uh, and in many ways, uh, what we're saying is it's essential to make disciples. That's a part of the Great Commission. We, we talk about it. We emphasize it in our churches. And as a part of making disciples, hopefully what we see is these disciples in many ways grow towards an aspect of maturity right. where the Spirit of God is working in their life and to where you have men that are being set apart with their families, but men set apart as pastors uh, to, to eventually be sent out to, to, to either plant churches or pastor and revitalize churches um, all throughout the U.S. and even internationally. Um, so I do think it's the byproduct of what we would say uh, is a healthy church. If a healthy church is a disciple-making church, then they are raising those up, moving them towards an aspect of maturity, and then sending them out with an aspect of blessing on the Spirit's work in their life. Uh, and then maintaining a healthy relationship with them. Um, and, uh, and I think that that connectedness um, is something that I think uh, brings a sense of health. Uh, and as Baptists, we believe in autonomy, right? Correct. So we're really, we're constantly thinking through, okay, what is the role of a church as we send somebody out in church planting um, would be just, man, the extension of a really mature disciple that, that God is kind of set apart for the sake of just shepherding others towards an aspect of maturity and disciple making um, and, and really seeing a church flourish. And so understanding what is the relationship between one church and another church is, is, uh, is really what we're trying to do without taking ownership of them. Now, I remember, uh, I think it was Neil Cole uh, talked about church planning that you have a cell and a healthy cell is one that is multiplying, right? A cell that is just growing in and of itself becomes a tumor. Um, mm. and, and that reminds me that healthy churches are ones that are actually expanding the kingdom. Mm. Yeah. So unhealth can grow as well, in another word. So, I mean, yeah, um, obviously we don't uh, want to say that all things that grow obviously are healthy. Uh, and that's the same with church planting. And so it's really important to understand foundationally what we believe a healthy church is. Uh, which really um, is a lot about how you make disciples as you're shepherding your own people uh, to understand the implications of gospel work and gospel ministry and one another ministry as members interact with members and move towards holiness. Um, and so that's, you know, that's what you're, you're thinking through in all aspects of even church planting. How do you send those out um, that are maturing in Christ for the purpose of faithful ministry and strengthening the church or seeing new churches started. There is a, there's an aspect I think that's that you were mentioning earlier, the discussion about ministry versus actual church planning. And uh, I remember, I think the IMB put out an article a few years ago about orphan care and about the orphanage and that it creates this, uh, this crisis in and of itself that people are just relinquishing their kids because you can provide so much better. And the whole argument and the, and the piece was talking about if you really want to make a change in a community, right? If you really want to provide all of these resources and change something, plan a church. Hmm. Because the greatest agent of change in any community is actually the body of believers, the body of Christ coming together and doing these things out of their love for Christ. Instead of making it separate ministries, like plant a body of Christ there to then change that community. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and there's all sorts of statistics, and they've been coming out for the past 20 years, um, really, on one of the primary ways to reach your community is to plant a church in the community. Uh-huh. And so, you know, if you're going to, like, the, the a church plant is going to uh, see me, more people come to know Christ than, um, uh, than a traditionalized church that's been in a community for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, and um, because they're caring for aspects of the saints in the body, uh, and that oftentimes becomes their focus rather than equipping the saints to do the work of ministry throughout the community. And so I think a church that's constantly uh, pouring their lives into those that um, that are pastors, this is why elder training or pastor training in the church is so extremely important. I think it's one of the probably one of the main responsibilities of pastors as they shepherd the flock and make disciples is to do that second Timothy two two type ministry where you're entrusting as Paul kind of encourages Timothy, you're entrusting uh, your ministry to those that are able to teach. Um, and it's this multiple multiplication type mindset of give your ministry away, they give their ministry away. Give your ministry away and then they pour it into somebody else. Um, and as you have these pastor types that are coming up in your church, of course, you will keep some to help shepherd the body right. uh, and equip, equip the saints for further ministry. But then strategically, you'll start to identify other areas where um, uh, the presence of the church just isn't there so that they can be a beacon of light uh, amongst much darkness. And so I think that that's the constant thing that I think a healthy church, a church that's saying we want to be a church planting church, how they get started is pouring their life into those and raising up pastors, you know, raising up those that are aspiring towards pastoral ministry. And I think that can be done really well in a network or an associational type setting as you start interacting with other like-minded churches that are thinking about the same thing. It allows you oftentimes to have one member that's at a church that then can, in a sense, be passed on to another church for a period in time for further entrustment of ministry. Um, so the more strategically you think about that, uh, I mean, in many ways, that's that's what we do in discipleship. Um, yes, the Lord entrusts us in raising up with those that are young um, to, to understand the faith. Um, but at some point in time, these young believers are going to grow up and they're probably going to move and we're going to want to hand them off to another local church. And that local church then is going to take that ministry further and in pouring into them than, than we were able to. And so that's how churches really work together to hopefully one day see somebody aspiring towards pastoral ministry. And of course, the spirit of God is at work in all of this. So we don't want to negate that. Oh, very good. So I was going to ask uh, for churches that are, you know, they understand the call. We need to go make disciples. They understand the need to go plant churches. What are some of the big obstacles that you see uh, that kind of get in the way of it, prevent them from, you know, getting out the front door? Yeah, I would say a lot of churches are just, they, they get stuck in kind of the overwhelming thought of, man, how do I even accomplish this? You know, so it's, it's, it's an overwhelming task. If you don't understand how to, to eat it, oftentimes in bite sizes, um, which is what discipleship is uh, in many ways. Um, you know, how, you know, if I'm having a conversation with Dave and I'm saying, Dave, how did you get to the point where you are today um, to where you're pastoring a church and leading other pastors to shepherd this body? And he would say it probably began, you know, 12, 15, 20 years ago 
and just how the spirit of God was working maybe longer than that, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So, you know, it's, it becomes this, this sense of, okay, we're not going to accomplish it overnight. Um, so if we want to see a group of families that are mature and unified and sent out to start a church, how do we work backwards from there in a discipleship type opportunity? Um, and so I think a lot of it is, man, just pouring your life and casting vision in the church to say, this is what we want to accomplish. And then providing discipleship opportunities where you are rallying members in your body that the spirit of God is kind of sparking interest in to, to say, okay, what would it look like for us to start a church, a community over, or, you know, or 30 minutes from here in an area where a group of families live. Uh, and really identifying whether it's other pastor types that are on staff or those that you're bringing on for a short period of time that may be, when I say short, two to five years where you're watching the life and doctrine of a younger man and their families that are aspiring towards pastoral ministry, that you're providing a training ground um, for them to be able to do that within the context of the body to where you're watching their life and doctrine and you're seeing them shepherd a smaller group of people and and seeing if they can gather a group of people and seeing if they can make disciples within your body before you end up sending them out. Um, but when you do send them out, send them out well. Uh, and so when I say that, um, you know, send them out with the blessing uh, and the confidence that a group of pastors have watched their life and they see the gift sets that the Lord has given them. Um, and we want to release you in such a way with people um, that are aspiring to go with you uh, and finances and, a, and, and really a good reputation amongst a group of other churches that you've introduced them to that are going to help them move, move towards health as they do ministry in a specific community. And so I say all that to say, man, it takes, you know, sometimes two to three to even more years to think through what is a, a strategy, strategy to plant one church. But once you've kind of developed that kind of process, then you can start saying, man, let's build upon that. And potentially you could plant a church every other year, every two to three years. And imagine what that looks like when you've got four to five to six to seven good churches that are working together to accomplish that. Then you start to see the rate at which disciples are being made and sent out. You see it multiplied in a much quicker fashion. No, oh, that's really good. So a lot of times we talk about church planning, people tend to think that's like a pastor thing, an elder church planner thing, but how can just the average person who's working a job, going to church, serving in the church, how, how can they be a part of church planning? What are ways that um, they can kind of get involved in that as well? Yeah, yeah. One, I think part of this is um, helping the members understand in some form or fashion um, that every member is, to a certain degree, a church planter. It's not just just the pastor's job to plant a church, okay? So if we understand one another ministry within the context of the body, um, really what we're thinking is not just a single pastor or a group of pastors model that's responsible to make disciples within the body. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a church-wide mission that we are on. And, and our members have gifts in ways that even some of our pastors don't. And so to neglect that, I think, would be to uh, just be unwise in understanding what is a healthy biblical church. 
Um, and so when we start thinking through church planting in the same way, we want them to understand is you have a role in some form or fashion in seeing this new church get started. Okay. And so whether that's, you know, financial giving, whether it's uh, somehow uh, developing and encouraging and having uh, these families that, that desire to be sent out over your house and in your home and teaching them important things about, you know, raising up your own kids and family ministry and, um, and what it's like to shepherd uh, people that run businesses or have jobs from nine to five. These are all things that are going to be learned and need to be learned by pastors that are starting a church so that they understand those that they're going to be ministering to. Oftentimes, I think we think of a church planter uh, like this young guy that just came out of seminary, and in many ways they are in some degrees, um, but if they don't have the understanding, the knowledge, uh, and, and are given the tools that they're going to learn from the interaction of other mature believers in the faith, um, then they're going to miss out, I think, on what does it mean to be a wise pastor, not just somebody who can gather a team for a period in time. Uh, that we would say maybe is a church planter to get it started. So, um, so much about church planting. If we're if we're if we're not careful, kind of the cautions and the red flags to avoid is, and we're doing so much more than trying to get a guy to plant a church. We're trying to prepare them as they're planting a church to also be shepherds, to be pastors, to be overseers, um, and to neglect that. Um, would really be to start a church on a, ba a bad foundation yeah. um, and uh, in many ways undoes a lot of the early gathering um, uh, that may could take place. Um, so you need mature families to plant a church. I think it's very great. And you need these mature, fa mature families to be doing the work of the ministry, even from the very beginning. So that it's not just the lead church planter's job to be the evangelist. Right. Okay? So, so the more that we can have our members understand uh, how to use their gifts for taking the gospel into the community and making disciples into to the in the community within the context of a gathering starting, man, that's that's the most beautiful way to start a church. And that's in every member job. It's not just a pastor job. It that's from uh, the grandma and grandpa sitting in our seat to um, the students uh, in, in our high school and junior high classes that fam their families are wrestling with what does it mean to be a part of a church plant um, for, for these students to even understand what their role is within the school system or even amongst their friends and, and, and inviting people to know who Christ is. And what that looks like within the context of the church that they're inviting them to come and see and watch as the spirit of God hopefully is working in their life to draw them unto him and to see a healthy church started. That was that was a lot, by the way. I said a mouthful. No, we got it all. No, it was we great. It. It was perfect. Well, drinking from a fire hydrant is very important. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's that's good. And in a lot of ways, it's just. I think people see that aren't as round church planning kind of see it as something sort of exotic, if that's a fair yeah. word. And it's, yeah. we're, saying, we're just reproducing what we're doing that's already, church, what yeah. we should be doing, what a healthy church should look like. You know, it's the same thing with missions. It's like, well, that's so exotic. No, they're doing the same thing we're doing mm -hmm. here. They're just doing it on the other side of the world. Um, mm -hmm. All those gifts, you know, you've got teaching kids and rocking babies and being a Sunday school, all those gifts can be used in that new context as well. So 
Yeah, yeah, and I and I think too, right? For whatever reason, and we could probably get into church history and kind of think about the nuances of this, but um, we've just got to be very careful to say that we don't create this kind of divide on what is a pastor and what is a member, and the membership gets stuck and never sees like that. It's like such an elite group, the pastor, right. um, and. Um, I think, you know, discipleship lends itself that mature uh, followers of Christ are going to be aspiring towards leading and shepherding the body. And there's obviously going to be elders and there's going to be, uh, you know, evangelists and there's going to be teachers and um, and these different gifted people that work together within um, the church. Um, but man, we should be seeing people raised up continually to help shepherd our body and sent out to shepherd other bodies. And so it's not just the seminary student. Um, man, it is the Sunday school teacher that's been pouring his life into a group of people for 15, 20 years. And you're just trying to help them understand that, yeah, you may run a business or you may do a nine to five job of whatever, but you know what? God's really gifted you to equip the saints for the purpose of ministry. And you're doing that and you've been doing that. And we need to talk through what that looks like to officially set you aside and help you understand what your role is and recognize you as a pastor within the church, Um, which, you know, that's that's kind of foreign in some traditional settings. Um, But in many ways, it's it's a very healthy um, and I think um, I think almost encouraging and it's a revitalization of the church as you're doing it. It's like, oh. You know, that makes sense. That's what the Bible doesn't say that that can't happen. It should happen. I mean, he what he draw from when it came to like, you know, his disciples, you know, he took fishermen, you know, tax collectors. So, yeah, it's a good point. The, the resources come from the harvest field. Uh, at this point, sir, we need to unfortunately uh, push pause on the master class in which you're teaching us about church planning um, and move to our segment called Fast Five. Uh, you're about to be asked five completely unrelated and random questions. Uh, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Feel free to fake internet connections. Yes. Yeah. Uh, your computer dies if you need to. This is your disclaimer. This is your yes. moment. <laughs> I haven't seen questions, so don't blame me. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question number one. Uh, if you could only wear one outfit for the next 100 days, what would you pick? Are you allowed Ooh. to wash it each day? Nope. Oh. Well, you could wash Man. it. I mean, pretty something athletic like sweatpants and a sweatshirt because it's freezing cold here. But something, you know, sweatpants, man, a jumpsuit of some sort, maybe old school jumpsuit that like that Jordan kind of wore back in the day. That would be kind of if I could get really specific, that's what it would be. Are we doing the tearaway pants too? Is that? Oh, oh man. Now I'll say this. I love a good tearaway pants, but the buttons on the side. And they can kind of get a little bit uncomfortable if you kind of lean on them wrong. So I, you know, let's. Good fashion. I'm more, I'm more of the zip on the bottom, kind of the zip up, foot yeah. and a half. You know, that's my style. All right. I heard the tearaway pants are trying to make a comeback, like all things '90s. Oh, better than the parachute pants, the MC Hammer pants, I would say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, question number two, sir. You're stuck on an eight-hour flight. Who do you want sitting on your left and right? Mm. On my left. I think I would love my my beautiful wife Allison on my left. I'd love for her to be there. Um, yeah, and then on my you can only pick one. <laughs> oh, 
Just one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on my right. No, no, you get your right to it. I got it, got it. Who do you want on the right? Okay, on the right. Man, that gets tough. Um, I don't want to pick, you know, I got three kids, so I can't really pick one of them. Um, yeah. Oh, man, I, you know, I would say a really, really close friend, just to be vague, because I don't want to name one, and uh, then they all get offended. Oh. How about this? My my pastor, one of, one of my lead pastor, Dwayne Milioni. I'll take him on my right side. Wow. So he's he's been he's been a mentor of mine. I love him. He's poured his life into me. Uh and a guy that I want to be a part of my life um for a long time to come. The fact that we just stuck you in the middle seat on an eight hour flight. Right. Like you just bypass that. For me, eight hours on a flight, I want those seats empty. empty. Yeah. Nobody. I don't want anybody <laughs> there. <laughs> you, you pull the Ed Stetzer, you pull your study by stretching out, laying down. Absolutely. Now I will say I'm a bit of a relational guy, so I enjoy a good conversation. So I'm all right. Uh, so question number three, what word do you wish didn't exist in the English language? Wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> the conjunction but. <laughs> okay. I don't like it. We're just gonna leave that one alone. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, man. Just don't like it. <laughs> We've turned it into an exclamation point. Uh, question number four. Since keyboards are written with capital letters, does that mean they are constantly yelling at you? Wow, where do you come up with this? Um, you know, I would probably say no, they are not constantly yelling at me. Um, they're just trying to emphasize what they believe is important. Oh, they're, they're making their truth known. I like that. That's good, sir. Nice job. Uh, last one. This one's a little more personal, sir. Question number five. What has been your best MacGyver moment thus far? So I am very un MacGyverish. So it's, uh, <sighs> I installed a fan at my house, um, and had to figure out, uh, how to bolt it into the ceiling without, um, the proper bolting system. And so I've got a fan that's actually um, over my bed in my bedroom that is improperly installed uh, because it, it was the only way I could get it in. And so I, you know, I live with this fact that man, at any point in time, <laughs> I could get chopped up at any moment. And so, yep, that's it. It's up there. It's working. Uh, I just did that last week, a fan in the bedroom. Yes. It's the worst, man. And I, I'm so bad on the electrical side of things and I don't like to read instructions. And so it's like like it's like I look at it and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put this together and I do it and then there's always something messed up. Well, I got the you know, it said you're supposed to have these color wires, and if you don't, if the house has different color wires, immediately call an electrician. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, we're just gonna right. we're just gonna guess these wires go together. And it works. So that's it. They yeah, catch on fire. That's it. His but hair used whatever. to be blonde. Now yeah. it's red. <laughs> you guys tripped me out. <laughs> well, sir, thank you so much for coming on the morning show. How can people find out more about Pillar Network, sir? Yeah, go to www.thepillarnetwork.com. You can find out more about who we are, uh, who our churches are, how our churches cooperate, and we would love to have a further conversation with you. Fantastic, sir.
Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Interesting. I <laughs> and we're back <laughs> with audio and live edition. Uh, anyway, so I was going to say, Zach Nelson, it was a really great interview. Uh, I appreciated how he encouraged everybody to be a part of church planning. It is not just the guy who's gone to seminary. Uh, it's not just the person who who has these big things. It's like everybody needs to be a part of church planning. Yeah, I think you kind of draw some, if, if you don't really know much about it or haven't been encouraged about it, you kind of draw this separating line between who who's qualified to be a church planner and right. who's not. No, it's really good. Uh, so he, I think he definitely answered the MacGyver question. So mm -hmm. uh, what is your best MacGyver moment? I was going to ask you this. In seminary, okay. I lived in this first floor, floor apartment, uh -huh. and I had this proclivity for accidentally locking myself out of the apartment. Okay. So I got very it good. It might be because you used the word proclivity. That might well, have what happened. I got very good at uh, breaking into my own apartment <laughs> by climbing in through the window. So you became Spider-Man. More or less. This is your secret power. Mm -hmm. w was there a big tip for you, like climb, climbing in or unlatching the window? It like? was all in the jump, because if you jump too high, you'd hit your head on the top of the window. But, but I mean, you still needed to kind of have some forward motion so that you could push your body through the window, but not too far because you didn't want to then fall over on, on your head. This is beginning to sound a lot like a Wile E. Coyote like, schematic drawing of the physics of what it's needed to happen. It's more complicated than you would think. <laughs> that, that's impressive. That, that is an excellent MacGyver. Uh, so, hey guys, thanks for watching the show. Make sure you tune in next week. Uh, speaking of New Orleans, uh, Dr. Kathy Steele will be on to talk to us about uh, pastoral counseling, how we can deal with uh, all of the different emotions in a biblical sense, uh, and maybe assuage your guilt for trying to break into your own apartment. We can. I have no guilt. Oh, well, good. We'll talk about that too. <laughs> the lack of guilt Brian feels about breaking into his own apartment. Uh, so that is next week on the 16th. On the 23rd, we have uh, Rebecca McLaughlin to come in and talk about her amazing book, uh, Questions That Christianity Needs to Answer. Um, Still trying to prep for that interview because um, it's huge. Uh, and then we have Matthew Barrett coming on to talk about the Trinity. After that, then we go to uh, see Terry Dorsett from the New England Baptist Convention. They're going to update us about what is happening uh, in New England. It's a very post-Christian uh, environment up there in Boston, all the way up through the corridor up through Maine. Uh, and then we have Peter Yarns and Jonathan Pennington to talk about Jesus as the great philosopher, which another fun thing to talk about. So that is coming up on the morning show. Uh, you've successfully made it through the the, uh, the yeah, whole episode. I know. I know. Hopefully, uh, I don't get canceled next time. Oh, no, we don't believe in cancel culture. We already okay. talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pastor Dave will be back in the seat next to me. Thank you so much for watching, and make sure to like and share the show. See you guys next week.